Good evening, everybody. Good to see you guys tonight. Thank you for being here on this Wednesday evening. God is good. Everyone had a good week so far? Man, me too. Every week has um, blessings and challenges and victories and disappointments. And that's what life is, isn't it? And God is just like with us and faithful through every single bit of it. Amen? Well, I'm glad you're here tonight on this Wednesday evening. We are on part four, part four of this series called Dream With All Your Heart. And we're looking at the life of Joseph and the 10 tests that he had to take from him just dreaming dreams and believing God for big things and walking in some of those things, which is what I'm praying and believing for every one of you. My first prayer for you is that you would allow God to put a dream in your heart. I mean, that's where it has to start, right? When, when God awakens something in you and you know that you have a dream in your heart and God has a plan and a purpose for you, it's an ultimate game changer, but it just can't stop there. Once God puts that dream in your heart, God, I I want to start walking in those things. Anybody in the room tonight want to walk in those plans and dreams that, yeah, man, I want to, I don't want to just talk about them. I want to, I want to walk in them. So we've already looked how Joseph had to face the pride test and the pit test. And this past Sunday, we looked at that Joseph was in the palace test. And tonight, I want to start in Genesis 39, verses 6 through 12. Now, Joseph was a lot like Mark Hennon. That's not what it says. Well-built and handsome. Kind of what it says. Amen, Erica? Yeah, okay. Happy Valentine's, by the way, everybody. Man, yeah, you guys could be like out on a date, but you're here at church tonight. Happy Valentine's. When you, when you live in, I mean, we just live at the church every day, all day, like days all run together. Men, I want to remind you that nine months from right now is the middle of the white-tailed deer rut. So if you want to be hunting nine months from now, make smart decisions tonight. <laughs> verse 8. Oh, sorry, verse 7. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Must have been Valentine's Day there too. <laughs> but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went to the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and he ran out of that house. If you're going to move from just dreaming dreams 
to walking in your destiny, to walking in the plans and the purposes that God has for your life. You're going to have to face the pride test, the pit test, the palace test. You are also going to have to face and pass the purity test. The purity test, friends. This is a biggie. And in this passage, Joseph shows us the best way to deal with temptation. When we're confronted with it in our lives and that temptation feels overwhelming, Joseph gave us the blueprint on how to deal with that temptation, didn't he? What are we supposed to do when we're in those moments and we know we're about to sin? Friends, it's time to turn and run. Run. This doesn't sound very spiritual. Doesn't, doesn't sound like God's just all in the midst of it empowering you. But friends, it's the most spiritual things that you can do in your life when you're faced with temptation. Paul echoes this belief in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He writes this to the church in Corinth. Flee from sexual immorality. Guess what this word flee in the Greek means? To run, that's right, to run away. Friend, I'm talking to you tonight. If you find yourself in a situation that you know you're weak, if you find yourself in a situation where temptation is overwhelming, listen, don't fast, don't pray, don't pass go, and don't collect $200. Turn and run. Get the heck out of Dodge, run. My pastor growing up, his name's Danny Fisher. Uh, he's still one of our overseers here at the church. He used to tell this story all the time when we were growing up. He, he had got home in the evening and this couple calls him and said, oh, Brother Danny, Brother Danny, we come into your house right now because we need prayer, Brother Danny. The devil has gotten a hold of us. We need prayer, Brother Danny. So they showed up at his house and they're all just worked up and they're upset and they're crying. And Pastor Danny, pray for us. It's demons. It's the devil. They're all over us. Well, slow down a little bit. Tell me what happened. Well, we went on a date. And after the date, we came back to her house. And we went inside. And, uh, you know, we ended up in her bedroom. And, you know, we, we were just laying there. Just We were laying there. Just we were talking. And, you know, next thing you know, we're, we're, we're hugging and we're kissing. And Brother Danny, the next thing you know, the devil jumped all over us. And before we knew what happened, the devil took our clothes off. And the devil just got to pray for us, Pastor Danny. Friends, that's not the devil. The devil, the poor devil gets blamed for so many things in believers' lives. Come on, he does, right? You make poor choices and put yourself in poor situations, which leads to falling into sin and impurities, friend. You can't blame that on the devil. If you don't want to do dumb things, don't put yourself in dumb situations, right? If you take anything home tonight, right? If you don't want to do dumb things, don't put yourself in dumb situations. I told you this past Sunday that the palace test was actually, could actually be called the stewardship test. Because really the palace test is, can you take care of things that don't belong to you? Remember that? And I read this verse in Colossians chapter three, verse 23. I'll read it to you again. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. That would make a really great series for a whole year sometime, with all your heart. As working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as, as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. 
We talked about this Sunday that the palace test, listen, Joseph wasn't serving Potiphar. He was serving God. Whatever you do, you're not working for that mean old ugly boss. Whatever you do, friends, you are working for the Lord. It's the stewardship test. Can you take care of things that don't belong to you? Well, the purity test is also a version of the stewardship test. Okay? The palace test is can you take care of somebody else's stuff? The purity test is can you take care of yourself? Can you steward this body? Can you steward this life that God gave you? How are you taking care of you? If you don't belong to you, but you're in charge of taking care of you, how are you stewarding yourself? Now look at Genesis chapter 39, verse 9. I already read it to you, but this is very interesting. I want to prove this point to you. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you. This is Joseph talking to Potiphar's wife. Because you're his wife. Now watch this. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Now correct me if I'm wrong, but if I'm sleeping with Potiphar's wife, it seems to me like I would be sinning against Potiphar. Check, check, check. Check one, two, three. Whoa, hey, we're live. The stewardship test is can I take care of this body? Can I take care of this life? The purity, the purity test is what we're talking about. Now, when we hear the word purity, we automatically think about one thing, don't we, church? We do. The first thing that comes to our mind is sexual purity. And this is no doubt a biggie. This is a biggie, friends. And I'm sad to tell you tonight that the church world is full of Christian atheists. It's true. The church world is full of Christian atheists who bring God into certain select areas of their life. Oh, well, the Bible says this, so, man, I got to pay my tithes. 
Well, the Bible says this, so this is the kind of husband I need to be. The Bible says this, this is the kind of parent I need to be. The Bible says that I need to be serving, that I need to be praying. We take bits and pieces of the Bible and we apply it to our lives, except for some reason in America, our sexuality completely gets left out of the Bible equation. Well, I'm gonna do this, 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 but when it comes to my sexual purity, like, I wanna do whatever I feel like do, and I know I'm not talking to anybody in this room, but maybe somebody that's watching online tonight, this applies to. This is disastrous for relationships, friends, okay? And, and, and it, I, I'm not preaching at anybody. I'm like, I'm not talking to you tonight. I'm, I'm preaching in, in generalities, but it's disastrous for relationships because when you build your relationship on a faulty foundation, then you have problems with house long term. And if that's where you start your relationship is living in sin, applying sin to different areas of your life. And that, listen, again, I'm passionate about it because I see it every single day of my life. And that's not an exaggeration, I see it every day of my life as I counsel with people, as I cry with people, as I pray with people who are still trying to work through the pain, the trauma, the damage, and the repercussions of sexual decisions that they made five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, married couples still dealing with sexual immorality and impurities that happened way back when, right? It's a counselor's dream. Like, there's job security in McAllister, Oklahoma. I, I, can, I can attest to that. There is job security. So, it's not God being mean to us. It's God loving us. Friends, if we would just do marriage and sexuality God's way, life would be so, so good. It would be so, so good if we would just do it God's way. So yes, we need to pass the purity test when it comes to sexuality, 1,000%. We need to pass that. But what about pure motives? What about pure intentions? What about purity in our hearts? What about purity in our thought life? Like, it's really easy just to say, yeah, man, I need to not have sex before marriage. Got it, sexual purity. Like, no, it, the purity test is so much bigger than that. And it's so much deeper than that. Psalms 24 says it like this. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart wow man this this concept of pure heart is massive in our walks with the lord so massive that proverbs 4 says it like this above all else that's a huge statement isn't it above all else guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. We need sexual purity. But friends, I'm telling you, we need pure hearts and pure motives. 
and pure intentions. If we're gonna pass the purity test, it has to indoctrinate every area of our lives. Lord, give us clean hands and a pure heart. Let me show you how the loss of purity happens in every single one of our lives, the loss of purity progression. It looks like this. It starts in your eyes. Yes, it moves to your mind. It travels about 12 inches down to your heart, and then it moves to your hands and to your feet. Let me show you how this progression works. It starts with your eyes. You see something, right? You see something. And if you see it long enough, you're not just seeing it, you're looking at it, right? Two very different things. To notice something, you see it, something totally different when you are looking at it. Now that you are looking at it, it's in your mind. It is. And now that it's in your mind, you're thinking about it. It's rolling around in there. You might try to push it off to the back corners occasionally, but here she comes back. It's rolling around in your mind. And if you think about it long enough and you think about it hard enough, friends, that's when it takes that trip from your mind on down to your heart. And this is where things get really dangerous. Now keep in mind, any time during this progression, at any point, you can stop it and you can run. You can go be accountable to somebody, have somebody pray with you. I mean, do, do something. You, you have the power to stop this progression in your life. There's not one victim in this room tonight. I'm so happy to tell you because we serve the victor and we've been born again. And we're his kids and his DNA is flowing through our veins. We're not victims anymore. You have the power to stop this progression. But when it makes its way to your heart, then your emotions are attached to it. Now you want it. Now you're desiring it, right? You've moved past looking at it, thinking about it. Now there is this urge. There is this drive inside of you. I need to get this. I need to get it. And if you allow that to stay in your heart long enough, I promise you, you desire something long enough, it is going to move to your hands and your feet. You are going to find a way to have what you have been longing for. You're gonna find a way, I promise. Sure, th th this could absolutely apply to the opposite sex. Sure, it can apply to a daggum new truck. Man, you see that nice looking truck and you look over and you see your old beat up truck. And you're looking at that truck like, that's a nice truck, man. Wow. Now you go into bed and you're thinking about that truck, aren't you? Man, I just fell in love with that truck. Man, that was a pretty truck. You're thinking about that truck. Next thing you know, like your heart is wanting that new truck. Man, that's a beautiful vehicle. And, and if you desire it long enough, you think about it long enough, you desire, I promise you, you're gonna go find a way to get that truck regardless of whether you can afford it or not, right? Put it on the credit card, man. Rack up some more debt. But you desire that truck. It's not just sexuality. Listen, there's men that go to church here that lust after deer. I'm telling you. You saw him in the field. Man, look at that buck. Good Lord. You put your trail cameras up. You get pictures of him. Now you're looking at that buck on the daily, man. You're dreaming about that buck. You can't even work because you're checking your cameras and now they're cellular so you can check them from your phone. These are just things I've heard of. I haven't experienced this personally. But you're checking your phone, man. Oh, man, he was there at 930. Oh, man, he was there at, right? 
Now it's in your heart. You want that bug. You're eating that bug, sleeping that bug, having that bug. Like that bug is on your, and, and what's going to eventually happen? You neglect your family. You neglect church. You neglect your responder. You are after this deer, and you're going to find a way to get it. It happens in all areas of our lives, friends. It's, it's not just sexuality, but our heart gets unhealthy, and we start making poor choices that lead us to those inward desires. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe I didn't talk about your little niche tonight, but you know what I'm talking about. And that's how the enemy finds, finds root and in, in paths into our lives. This is how he works. Now, I, I've done ministry for 24 years. Let me show you tonight how impurity finds its way into your heart and ministry. Okay? If I have seen this played out one time, I have seen this played out 5,000 times. I see this played out every single week. Okay? I'm telling you this not because I think you're doing it, because I want you to be aware when the devil does come. This is how it works in ministry. Okay? We're talking impure motives, impure intentions, ugly things getting in your heart, right? So maybe you've experienced this, but you, you, you see a need in the church or in the community or you see a ministry that's already happening and you just have this aha moment. I mean, this light bulb moment, like something happens inside of you like, man, that, I think that might be it. So, something in you just comes to life like, holy cow. If you haven't had that experience, I pray you do. I had it when I was 16. I watched my principal sit down behind the piano. He closed his eyes. He started worshiping, singing, and him and God just had this unbelievable interaction. Like, I remember sitting in the crowd that day like, I want that. that so, so you see it, and something happens, and then you really start taking a good, long, hard look at it, and you start asking, like, God, is this something maybe Maybe, maybe this is part of the dream you have for my life. Maybe this is something maybe you've called me to do. You think about it, you roll those things around, and then you get your mind made up and you jump in. And I hope you've experienced, but when you're doing what you know God put you on the earth to do, it's the greatest feeling ever. There, there is nothing like on earth doing exactly like when you wake up and you say, I'm exactly where God wants me to be and I'm doing exactly what he's called me to do. It's beautiful, and I hope you've experienced that. So you're, you're in that season, man, God's moving, your heart is pure, you're excited, life is great, Dream City Church is the best place on earth, Pastor Mark hung the moon, woo, it's, it's beautiful. And it's around this time that usually the enemy starts moving in. And this is how he does it. Because you begin to see flaws and shortcomings in people's lives, specifically leaders. And guess what? It's inevitable because every ministry and every church is led by a person. And every person has flaws and shortcomings. And listen, folks on the back row tonight probably can't see that I got these big black rings under my eyes, that I look exhausted all the time, that I put on a few pounds. Maybe, you could maybe notice those things, but the closer you get to me physically, you see all those flaws, don't you? Come on, front row folks. Yeah, this lady's head's about to fall off. She's saying yes so hard. But that's what happens. When you get closer to leaders, when you get more involved in ministries, you see flaws because every human being has flaws. So if you don't process those flaws correctly, 
the enemy gets a foothold in your life. He does. Now, you're still doing all the same things that you've been doing. You're not declining on planting sinner yet, but something's happening in your heart. And the enemy whispers. He whispers. He's so good at it. How did this guy get this job? Who put this leader in charge? Oh, my God. wonder why Pastor Mark didn't ask you. Boy, if you, if you were in charge of this ministry, oh, my gosh. Just think, oh, oh, my God. He's holding you back. So if you come to talk to Pastor Mark, of course it's out of concern, right? And you're not trying to gossip. You, you want me to pray. <laughs> Pastor, I just want you to pray about something and then barf all this, right? Well, Pastor Mark handles it the way that he sees fit to handle it. Okay? But maybe, just maybe, that's not the way that you thought it should have been handled. Or in the time frame that you thought it needed to be handled, right? So, again, the enemy just continues to work in that heart, gets impurities. You're losing some of that pure heart that you started with. Now you're doing all the same things, but your heart, your motives, your intentions are completely wrong. Because you started off, man, you're passionate. I just want to serve Jesus wherever, whenever, however. I'm your dude, right? Now you're serving, but it's with this attitude of like, huh, I'm going to show him. I'll show Mark who should be leading this ministry. <laughs> Watch this, dude. Let me show what I can pull off. What? And the enemy just works in your heart, works in your heart, works in your heart. Inevitably, somebody else gets a little disgruntled because that's what people do when you work with flawed people, especially in the context of a church. And six months ago, you would have gone to that person and you would have said, hey, listen, hey, man, things aren't perfect, obviously, but man, this, God's doing something and, and he's doing something in your life. And because every person in this room carries two buckets with them, no matter where you go in life. One of those buckets has water in it and the other bucket has gasoline in it. Every day of your life, you carry those two buckets everywhere you go. Now, six months ago, that person would have come to you, you would have talked them off the ledge and you would have poured water all over that. Be careful, man, the enemy's trying to, you know. But today, when that disgruntled person comes, it's not water, it's gas. And what started this big, let me tell you, if Mark really believed in us, we could accomplish some things. He's obviously not the leader we thought he was. I guarantee you so-and-so down at that one church they would give us the opportunity. They, they would see the potential in us. They, that pastor would let. Six months prior, man, your heart was so pure, and God was using you, and you're full of passion and dreams, and man, and next thing you know, you're out the door. What happened? Mark didn't do nothing different. Your leaders didn't do nothing. The vision didn't change. The, nothing. the only thing that changed was inside your heart. Man, it got so quiet in here. I see it play out day after day after, which is why Solomon, the smartest dude on earth, besides the 700 wives, like I don't know what he was smoking with that. One's plenty, friends. Above all else, guard your heart. So how do I pass the purity test? How do I keep my heart pure? How do I keep my motives, my intentions? How do I keep those things pure? How do I keep them right? Here we go. Genesis 39.10. Look at how the enemy came at Joseph. 
And though she spoke to Joseph day after day. This is how the enemy came after Joseph's lives, friends. Day after day. And if the enemy is attacking you, and I'm telling you tonight that he is 10,000% attacking you day after day, day after day, then the only way you're going to defeat the enemy is by implementing the exact same strategy into your life by trusting and depending on the Lord day after day after day after day. And that's how you do it. That's how you stay out in front of what the enemy wants to do in your life. You spend time with him day after day. You seek him day after day after day. Luke chapter 4. The enemy has tempted Jesus. He waited till he had fasted 40 days. He was weak. He was vulnerable. He was tired. But Jesus resisted all those temptations. Verse 13, when the devil had finished all this tempting, man, he threw up his hands and said, good luck, Jesus. You're, you're a better man than me. No. And he doesn't do the same thing in your life. It doesn't matter how many hurdles you pass. The enemy's coming after you day after day. He left him until an opportune time. Do you know what the enemy's looking for in your life tonight, Dream City Church? An opportune time. Day after day. That's every person in this room. I'm talking to you tonight. The enemy is looking for an opportune time. And he knows what he's doing. So how are we going to combat this, friends? We don't give him that opportune time. We understand that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but we wrestle with powers and principalities in high places. That's what Paul wrote. Listen, it's not your mean old boss trying to get you down. It's not the co-worker. The enemy is attacking you day after day after day. And man, you got to be making sure that you don't give him an opportune time. This is how you do it. Psalms 37 says it like this. It's one of the keys to keeping your heart clean and pure and right. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Day after day, delight yourself in the Lord. Day after day, spend time with the Lord. Day after day, fall in love with the Lord. Day after day, listen to the Lord. And when you do, this amazing thing starts to happen. That what he wants starts to turn into what you want. That's what happens when you fall in love with somebody. That's what happens when you spend time with somebody. This verse gets misrepresented all the time. This verse doesn't say that, that if you delight yourself in him, then boom, he's your personal Santa Claus. You tell me what you want, and I'm going to give you those desires. That's not what it says. You get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. Everybody, I've delighted in you, Lord. Now here's my list. That's not what this verse means, not, not whatsoever. That when you delight in him, when you fall in love with him, it means that he puts desires in you. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Those things that you used to desire, all of a sudden like, eh, eh, I don't need that. Your desires start to change. Man, th 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 this is how we keep our hearts pure 
We keep our hearts clean. This is how we continually pass the purity test, not just sexually, but in our hearts, in our motives, in our intentions, in our relationships with one another, day after day, falling in love with Jesus. Can I give you one more personal tip that help you uh, keep that heart healthy in closing? I wanna challenge you. It's something that I implemented into my life that really helps me keep my heart pure, check myself. I can't tell you how many negative things I encounter every single day. That's the, that's the reality of, of my life. Everyone wants God to move in your church and your church to grow. And man, that, it, it's wonderful when that happens. And man, so many get, people get saved and you got all these new believers and that's wonderful when it happens. And you start big projects and you're trying to reach people and like it, it, all those, that, that's all wonderful. But attached to all that is more problems and more stress and more things going wrong and more people disgruntled and more, I mean, more and more. You, you can't have one without the other is what I'm trying to say, okay? This isn't like a cry fest. I'll take the problems all day to see the beautiful things that God's doing in this place. Amen? But I did have to implement something in my life that I would love to challenge you with to keep this heart pure. Because if your heart gets ugly, friends, you're not gonna pass that test. And God loves you so much that he's gonna let you take that test again and again and again and again and again. Some of you have been taking the test a long time. And you're mad at God and you're ready to go on to the next thing. And God says, you ain't waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. So here's what I do every single day in my life. I process my heart every single day. Because I can't afford to let this thing get ugly. I can't afford to let this thing get unhealthy. So I ask myself this, did somebody hurt me today? Some days it's a yeah. Some days it's not. Did anybody wound me today? Did somebody betray my trust today? Man, that hurts. And the more someone betrays your trust, the easier it is to not trust. But as a leader, if you don't trust people and empower them, you don't get a lot of things done. And you turn into this control freak micromanager and the ministry becomes all about you and less about him. I sure don't want that. Did somebody betray my trust today? What is it that I'm frustrated about? Anybody have those days where you're just cooking on the inside and you don't know why? Ooh, you're just on edge and you're antsy. And, oh, what are you so upset about, man? I don't know, but what am I frustrated about today? What am I disappointed about today? Disappointment sucks. When you have faith and you take a step and you think God's in it and it doesn't work, there's this overwhelming temptation to like, I'm not taking that step again but we can't stay still, right? We gotta keep moving, we gotta keep taking steps of faith. So you have to process disappointment along the way. I ask myself this every day, are my motives clean? Are my motives clean? What am I doing and what are the reasons I'm doing it? There is some days where it's a temptation to do something because I'm gonna show somebody. Oh, they said I couldn't do it. Hold my beer. I'm gonna show you. I'm Mark freaking Hinton, I'm gonna show you. Right? Man, 
What are you doing? And why are you doing it? What are your motives? Is it to show somebody? Is it to get back at somebody? Is it to prove something to somebody? If it's any reason other than the fact that like, man, I'm just really in love with Jesus and I feel like that's what he asked me to do. Any other motive, it doesn't work. The last thing you need to ask yourself every day is, is my heart clean? And honestly, you can't answer that truthfully because your heart is deceitfully wicked and corrupt. So you can't ask yourself, is my heart clean? Because that deceptive heart's gonna be like, yeah, everything's great down here. <laughs> but it's not. You can't trust that dude. So that's when you ask the Holy Spirit, search me. Search me, Holy Spirit, search this heart. Show me any pure motives, any pure intentions. Have I not just seen something today, but have I, have I looked at something today that's got root in my mind? Is there something that has root in my mind that's trying to get root in my heart? If there's something that has root in my heart, God, I need you to uproot that quickly because I don't want anything that you don't want for me, Jesus. All I want's you, amen. Lord, I love you tonight. God, I thank you that you do have a plan and a purpose for every person in this room, God. And Lord, we are wanting to move past dream and dreams. God, we wanna move into walking into what you've called us to do. Cause Lord, there is nothing greater, nothing greater than following you with our whole heart and doing exactly what you put us on this earth to. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would search our hearts tonight, God, that you would. Lord, that you would show us those impurities those impure motives and intentions and agendas. And Lord, help us to be quick to repent and get those things right. We don't want to slow the process. We want to keep passing those tests. Lord, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said. I think we got a women's breakfast this Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. And I uh, hope you ladies can make it to that. And uh, we'll see you Sunday morning. Love you guys. God bless you.